Welcome to episode 63 of Drew's Sports Crew. This is going to be an interesting episode here on on this Monday morning. We have on Ryan Borkhart, the heart and soul of Evansville. He is the greatest official to ever come out of the Rock Valley Conference here. And it is an honor to have him on, Ryan. How are you doing here on this Monday morning? Uh, It's great to have you on. You know, you're from UW-Milwaukee. That's the connection here. And like I said, he is an official and he's going to be on. We're going to be talking about the Brewers and Bucks today and all things sports here on this Monday morning. But yeah, Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on here. Of course. And yeah, as I said, he is an official, one of the greatest. Keep in mind, he does he does ref those intramural games there at the K. So he's shaking his head right now. Why, Ryan, why are you shaking your head? Because it's not the greatest of basketball. Well, you are the greatest of officials, so I think that's oh, what matters thanks. at the end of the day. But with that, let's get right into this, Ryan. So we got to start talking about the live show. That is under two weeks away. Friday, June 3rd at the 12-12 Sports Pub and Grill. Catch myself, Zach Roush, and Jared Valeski there. And as I said, 12-12 Sports Pub and Grill in the Oshkosh Arena. We'll be doing our live show for Journey to a Million. We're going to be giving out trivia prizes so you can win some free merch. Also, we are going to unveil our new logo and rebranding. It's exciting there. We're going to be talking football. We're going to be talking about our predictions, our bold predictions. We're going to be talking about fantasy football, daily fantasy football, NFL football stuff in general, such as like the NFL futures right now that are going on with the over overs and unders for total yards for rookies, all that good stuff. We're going to be tying into this episode. It'll be, like I said, a lot of fun, but you know, we plan to get some audio recording of it. And anyway, so, you know, Ryan, as you are going to be in Evansville, you might be able to still watch or listen to the live show. So it's exciting stuff. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube as well. You know, keep the subscribers coming. And with that here, Ryan, I'm going to you know give the mic to you and you're going to talk about who our shout out of the week is here. I got to go with Eric Lauer when he pitched. He pitched phenomenally. Shout out the Nationals. Just an absolute great performance. It was, from yeah, Lauer. no, he... He has been, you know, it's official Eric Lauer breakout season. You can say it. And he's been phenomenal. As I was talking to Ryan before we started recording. In terms of war, he is leading the Brewers or he's, he's second right now to only Corbin Burns. So he's second right now with that. And, you know, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball so far this year, which that kind of leads me to the stats of the week, Ryan. I'm glad you chose him. So listen to this. The NLK percentage leaders in 30 with the minimum of 30 innings. Are you ready for this? Yes, I am. Carlos Rodon, you know, is leading there 36.1%, right? You know, great pitcher, you know, had a Cy mm-hmm. Young stellar yep. year almost last year. And now he's with San Francisco and they've developed great pitchers. Eric Lauer, number two, 32.9% in the National League. Number You're three, Freddie Peralta, 30. 2.4%. Corbin Burns, number four, 31.5%. The Max Scherzer, number five, 30.6. We did learn Scherzer. He is, he's out. I mean, he's going to be out six to eight weeks is what they're saying right now. It's big news in the NL right now. And 
you know, Brandon Woodruff has had a great outings. Hopefully he'll be on this list soon. And Freddie Peralta did leave on Sunday, yesterday's game, which to keep that in mind, you know, we're, we're thinking it looks like he'll be okay. It looked like it was more precautionary, but you know, just these stats in general, just the Brewers pitching has been phenomenal these past few years. And this stat, you know, attests to that. So with that, you know, that was kind of our first stat of the week, but you know, the other stats of the week, you know, I, I got them here on the phone and there's a lot of them here, Ryan. And I'll start with, you know, one of my favorite ones here. You're going to enjoy this, you know, as a, as an official, you know, in the state of Wisconsin, right? WIA, I have yep. the top NBA all-time scorers who graduated from a Wisconsin high school. So I have the list up right now. I want to hear right. if you can give me any of the names. So I got only nine of them up right now, but. Boy, you know. I don't know. I mean, it's been a while since I looked at high school sports and stats, but well, I want to say, I don't know. I feel like Tyler Hero. I don't know. He's this number 12 recent number 12. He's already number 12 on the list. Think about that. That is insane. You know, yeah. thinking about he was just a few years ago. He's in high school. You know, yeah. is that win all as a senior? It's, it's just weird to think about that. He's already mm-hmm. made, yeah, he's already cracked, you know, in the top 12, but you know, I'll throw you, I'll throw you some names. Latrell Spirals right. number one with 16,712 points. Terry Porter, number two, 15,586 points. Fred Brown, 14,018. I'm actually mm-hmm. not sure who Fred Brown is. We'll have to look what high school he went to. Nick Van Axel, 12,658 points. John Johnson, 11,200. Wesley Matthews, out of what, what he was, Madison Memorial? Uh, I don't know. I always mess this up. You know, I know there's he's four of the Madison schools. Four yep. of them, yeah. 10,921. Devin Harris, 10,957. Those two should actually be flipped, I see. So unless that was an error, this is from Mark Miller at uh, Wisconsin Yearbook. So I, I think he might have made an error there in the leaderboards. But uh, then we have Jim Cones, 9,821. And then Don Kojis, 7,314. So I think Tyler Hero, when it's said and done, you know, he could he could is be number oh, one he, on this I, list. I think he has a really good shot to be number one on that list, just of how good of his career is. And as long as he stays healthy and keeps yeah, up the play, he'll be for good. sure. I think he can pass Porter at 15,586. Spearwell's at 16,712. You know, it's about longevity, you know, a set yep. like that and output, right? You know, but you know, I thought that was a lot of fun. You know, Mark Miller putting that together, a great mm-hmm. list there. And uh, let's look at some more stats here. The Brewers' best 40 game starts in franchise history. 2007, really? listen to this. 2007, they went 25 and 15. 2009, they also went 25 and 15. 2014, we forget this year happened. They went 25 and 15. And then 2022, 26 and 14, their best start to a season in the first 40 games in franchise history. Look, this team has already had those exciting wins. They've had those great games. I don't know. All I'm saying is, this Brewer team for me, like I've we've been watching Brewer teams for years now, and this team just they just stand out to me. They just there's something different about this squad. Uh, yeah. You heard Mark Anastio mention it at the start of the year that this squad has the most talented athletes. It's the most talented group of athletes he's been a part of since his ownership, you know, which was 2005. So if you think about it, you know, almost all of our playoff appearances as a franchise has came since 2005, other than. Yeah a few of them in the eighties. So, you know, that, that those are bold words from the owner. And I think, you know, 
he's spot on. Look, I, just overall, the way these guys have been able to perform that lineup is it's been effective. Now Hunter Renfro swinging a hot bat, which we will talk about. I think that's a big piece of this as well. But let's move on here. More stats. All right. DJ LeMahieu hits a grand slam on Saturday. And this grand slam would have only been a home run in one MLB ballpark. That's exactly where he hit it at Yankee Stadium. Yep. It was at 341 feet. Short porch. That's a flyout in 29 other major league parks. That's a grand slam then. You know, it ends up being a yep. Yankee Stadium. Teams are 29 and three this season when they hit a grand slam. So hmm. I just want to throw that in there as well. But, you know, that short porch and right has certainly, that's been a bigger story, I feel, this year than it has been in past I feel like years. It has been. I feel like so, maybe just the conversation of the baseballs too and how they don't fly. So like you're getting all these like flyouts that would be in all these, all these stadiums rather than the juice balls and they're just barely getting oh, over. Oh yeah. But I feel, you know, the baseballs you you noticed it right in those the first months of the year, you, yeah. right? The first month or so. But now with the weather starting to get warmer, like balls are starting to fly. So I Oh yeah, yeah. I I think it's becoming less of a factor, but it's still the numbers are alarming, right? The numbers speak for themselves and especially April, you know, the the amount of home runs compared to other years, the slugging percentage, mm-hmm. right? But yep. uh, it's been it's been an interesting, you know, year so far with all the rule changes, right? All the you know universal DH, right? That's gonna be the playoffs is something as I've I've spoken out against and I will continue to speak out against expanding of the playoffs to baseball. But you know, just more changes that we'll see later in this year. But next stat here, it's about Kevon Looney. I got two of them for him. He's been. That big game he had, he had a 20-point game where he scored 20-plus points there. It was Friday night versus Dallas, and that was his first 20-career-point game in his, NBA, in his NBA career, and that includes, like, the regular season or playoffs. But he became the fourth player in Warriors history with 20 points, 10 rebounds, and a 70% field goal percentage in a playoff game, and he joins Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, and Mitch Richmond. So add Kevon Looney to that yep. group. And then also, you know, the last time he scored 20 points or more in an organized game was January 8th, 2015, before this. So over seven years. And that was when he was a freshman at UCLA. So that was incredible for me. And that that span his last 20 college games and his first 421 NBA games of his career. And yeah, he had... Quite the game, you know, that Friday night against the Mavericks, you know, the Warriors. As of right now, this recording, they're up 2-0, but we'll wait and see what happens now. But, uh, you know, they've been, they've dominated that series so far. And that does, in fact, wrap up the stats of the week, Ryan. So with that, we're going to go into on this day here, May 23rd, 2022, that Monday, this Monday morning here, I got some. Events I'm going to read that took place on this day. So here we go. 1926, Chicago Cubs Hack Wilson. He's the first to hit a home run off the Wrigley Field scoreboard on this day. Monday, as I said, May 23rd, 1941 is the year now. In his 20th World Heavyweight Boxing title defense, Joe Lewis, he knocks out Buddy Bear in round one at New York's Madison Square Garden. 1948. Future Baseball Hall of Famer, center fielder, Joe DiMaggio. Hits three consecutive home runs as the New York Yankees edge the now Cleveland Guardians 6-5 to five at Cleveland Stadium. On this day in 1970, the San Diego Padres, they beat the San Francisco Giants 17-16 to 
in 15 innings. How about that game, Ryan? Would you stick around for that? I certainly would be all for it. Uh, I would like to since it's obviously a high-scoring game, but also I'd probably be tired and want to go home. These That's are like probably at least uh, I mean, with all the run, you I mean 15 innings as long as it is old extra rules to too. 16. Yeah. So longer game there. I would say, yeah, it's got to be, you know, six hour game, right? At least seven yeah. hours. Oh, probably seven hours. But, you know, pace of play, you know, there was less, you know, time between innings. Pitchers were going faster. It might have been, you know, six, seven hours. We'll say here we go. 1992 on this day, New York Yankees, they play in their fourth straight extra inning game. Yuck. You know, imagine. So it's like at least a full four game series. Maybe they did it in between series because otherwise I think it would have included the other team. So I'm going to say it was a three game series, right? And then they probably played another one against the other team. So mm-hmm. that's probably how it worked there on this day in 2010. What more recent here, the NHL Western Conference Finals, the Chicago Blackhawks, they beat the San Jose Sharks four games to none. So then they advanced the Stanley Cup final there and then. With that, I mean, that kind of wraps up on this day. And now we go to our weekly sports talk here, Ryan. We're talking Brewers, a lot of Brewers here to start. Then we're going to go into some Milwaukee Bucks. We're going to talk a little bit about the offseason because, you know, sadly, the Bucks season has ended. We do plan to do a Bucks season recap. We are just, as we did for baseball, we mourn a little in the loss. We're going to take a few weeks. We're going to regroup, and then we are going to release it. So that's how we'll roll with that. But. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. Look, they've been hot. As I said, you know, when you're off to your best four-game start in franchise history, you know you're doing something right. But uh, we'll go through the past six games that took place. They went four and two. So in case you're wondering, in case you're following along on the prediction challenge, making your own records as well, I did have five and one. So Caden does win the prediction challenge for week six. However, I did win the prior weeks. You know, I was on a little roll there, but the role does end. So um, with that, you know, we'll talk about these past six games that took place starting, you know, May 16th, right? Ryan, we saw Freddie Peralta dominate the Atlanta Braves. That was definitely one of his best outings of his career. He looked phenomenal. And, you know, going through that game, uh, just overall, I mean, what did you think about the pitching staff, you know, on that whole, the first three games of the homestand, you know, against the Braves? I mean, I thought they pitched, Fairly well. I mean, obviously, Atlanta has a lot of good bats in the lineup. So this is your dream matchup. So, you know, really good pitching against really good bats. And typically, really good bats edges out pitching in most cases. But, I mean, the way that the Brewers pitched against the Braves is a really good sign for down on the end of the season and in the postseason. I I totally agree with you on that. And, look, you know, what I find funny is – or, well – Hauser pitched well. You know, I got to point that out. You know, Hauser's been, he's been struggling as a fight, right? You know, he's had some not so good outings. He's had, he could, he's been struggling getting out of the first innings. You know, that's been his big story. Puts up six scoreless innings against the Braves, you know, in game two of that series. They do lose three nothing, but, you know, they were, they were going against Tucker Davidson, who it was a bullpen game really for the Braves. And Tucker Davidson went five strong innings there, you know, a long reliever who they kind of stretched out there. But, you know, it's not like they were striking out the Brewers a lot. You know, they had a total of eight strikeouts in the whole game. Uh, the Atlanta pitchers did. It's been, it was a lot of just, it was just a lot of, you know, putting the ball in play. Weak contact was the Brewers' story in that game. It felt that 3 nothing loss. But ironically, Corbin Burns goes on, on Wednesday, right? And that's the highest scoring game of the series. Mm-hmm. It just seemed, you know, Burns, he pitched 
he pitched okay, right? You know, he went six strong, four and runs, five strikeouts, two and runs. Look, the problem was he was leaving the cutter up in the zone. And, you know, yep. that's going to happen with with Burns when when pitchers elevate, you know, some pitches, which the Brewers have struggled with as of late. We pointed at this out last week with Cade and Youngbooth on the show with myself. You know, the Brewers were, the pitchers were just elevating fastballs. Like, for example, Brandon Woodruff was too predictable with his high fastball. It came to the point like, oh, he's throwing it here. You know, fans are calling it out from their TVs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when that's happening, you know, obviously the major league player um, is is calling it out as well. And, yeah, the Brewers, they've at least that's been where the starting pitching has struggled, you know, serving up the long ball, I feel. But you know, overall, that's Atlanta series, I thought was a success, you know, taking two out of three after they took two out of three from you at Atlanta. And, you know, with that, Ryan, we get our off day. We get that rare off day, as we talked about before the show. And we go, we play the Nationals for three games. And that series goes very well, regardless of how Sunday's result was. As And it was not well. It was not a good one. But overall, I guess I want to hear your first thoughts and your first takes from that series against Washington. Well, Washington series, I felt really well. Obviously, pitching did good. Uh, obviously, t- uh, today the bats weren't there, but other two games the bats were there. They played phenomenal defense, especially with Tyrone Taylor. When uh, they relayed a Wong to catch the inside of the park home run, that was pretty sweet to catch that. But, I mean, defense has been getting better. Brewers defense has been a little shaky to start. Especially Sunday. Like- Sunday was not, yeah, not yeah. ideal, but – yeah, you're spot on. I, I think, you know, Tyron Taylor, Tyron Taylor's been swinging a hot bat as well to point that out. He's been, you know, on fire this homestand. You know, he serves up and it's another home run on Sunday as well. And then he hit that home run, I believe, he hit the three run home run on Friday, right? That blew that game open. So he's been, he, he, you know, I, I was talking about, it. I was hyping it up all, you know, spring. I was, you know, I, I'm excited for Tyrone Taylor, you know, to get some playing time. And, you know, I, I, it's, it's a concern, especially, you know, you look, Lorenzo Cain gets the day off and it seems Tyrone Taylor's, you know, been playing well as of late. And I think we're going to see Lorenzo Cain, even though you're paying him the money that the Brewers are paying him, you know, this team, we got to win. And this team has what it takes. And I think if Tyrone Taylor is going to win you games, I think you play him, you play him over Lorenzo Cain. And, you know, I know Brewers don't win on Sunday, but you know, Tyrone Taylor goes two for four has, you know, and Kane sells great defense. Right. But he's certainly declining. Right. You know, yeah. the advanced stats aren't there. You know, they're not the same as they used to be in terms of, you know, his overall defensive run save and all that good stuff. But we did see, you know, Hunter Renfro misplay that ball. Colton Wong has been a weird defensive struggle, right? A guy who gold Glover throughout his career and has been strong with the routine plays, which is something that I, I just was shocked to see, you know, so far this season. It's been, I think, an interesting story so far with the Brewers. But, yeah, like you said, you know, pitching goes well Friday and Saturday. Look, Woodruff looked awesome on Saturday. Uh, talk about a phenomenal outing there for, for Woody. And he's just looked he's looked more like Brandon Woodruff. And I think that's, that, you know, that that's always exciting to see because, like, you know, in the Cincinnati game, it didn't really look like the Brandon Woodruff we know. But as you said, Lauer before, excellent outing. Being able to use Devin Williams in the ninth, or not Devin Williams in the ninth, Williams in the eighth effectively, of course. Then Ashby in the ninth to like close it out. I know it was a seven-nothing game, but 
I like seeing Ashby coming in those high leverage, you know, even though, like I said, it was a blowout, but like coming in the later innings, right? Getting outs when they matter. I just, what do you think about with Aaron Ashby? Do you think that he should be used in a middle relief role? Kind of like, you know, in the playoffs or especially in bigger series, I think they should be, I think personally, I'm saying he should be used in those higher leverage bullpen situations. Or do you think he should be used as a starter? What do you think? I definitely feel like he should be coming out of the bullpen, but what's so great about Ashby is that I feel like he can do both. He can get you those three, four innings out of the pen if you need to be, but also I feel like he can pitch one solid inning in a high leverage situation to get three outs. So I really like Ashby. He's super versatile to the Brewers. Swiss army knife is how I would call him, you know, being able to use him whenever you need him. And that's something that that's a winning player there. You know, right now the Yankees are kind of doing it with Michael King. I mean, there's a guy right there, and he's he's nasty as well. I, I you know, I I don't think it's a coincidence when winning teams have a player like Aaron Ashby. I think you know, winning teams have a player like Aaron Ashby. I think that's just how it is, and you know, that's been good to see. Thankfully, Andrew McCutcheon is back. Hits that leadoff home run off Patrick Corbin. He's looking you know looking great, and that's been that's been big. You know, after him returning from COVID, he's he's back. It's the same. You know, Andrew McCutcheon, Rowdy Tellez hits a home run. And Willie Thomas going on the aisles, another, you know, story we should be talking about not playing on his bobblehead day, sadly, but that's just how it is. Hunter Renfro, like we said, he's been hot. He's at nine home runs already now, 19 RBIs. OPS now over 820. OPS plus is 131 right now. So he's above league average there. Rowdy Tellez still has the highest OPS, you know, in terms of everyday players, in terms of at bats because Luis Arias is still up there because he hasn't played. He's only had 71 plate appearances. That's just how it is right now. But overall, I guess, Ryan, do you have anything else about this past week before we look into next week? No, I think we covered it all. Awesome. So let's, good. let's talk about the slate next week. Seven games. It's a busy one. And it's a road trip. The homestand wraps up, like I said, with the Willie Thomas bobblehead. Ben, they are right now, you know, the Brewers are in San Diego, so they're going to be playing at 8.40 p.m. on this Monday night. Very nice and late for us in the central time zone. Very nice. Just how it is. San Diego, then, they're, they're there from Monday to Wednesday. 8.40 all for the first two first pitch times. And then 3.10 on Wednesday. And then from there, they go to St. Louis, a four-game series against the division rival Cardinals. That's a big series right there. Brewers could make a nice statement there. Seven games, Ryan. Seven games on the road, I should add, against two tough opponents. Where are you going with it? I will let you start. I think they're going to go four and three, even though I don't want to say they're going to kind of one game above 500 on this seven-game stretch, but they're playing two really good teams in San Diego. And St. Louis, I feel like they're going to split two and two in St. Louis and then win the series out in San Diego two to one. So I feel like they're going to have a four and three record for the week. I like that. You know, that, that, that was where I was going. You know, road trip, West Coast. I think they can still win some games, but I, you know, I got to go five and two now, basically, or three and four is where I have to go. And I, I always go up and I, you know, the, the Brewers have given me no reason to not based on how they've been performing. You know, they've been other than that, you know, we had a rough stretch in with Atlanta and Cincinnati last week already. 
Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go five and two. I'll take this squad. I know the Padres have been tough offensively, but Brewers pitching staff has not disappointed me whatsoever. And I think we can take care of the Cardinals a little bit. You know, we can rough them up a little bit. I want to point out Saturday. I think that game's on FS1. It's at 115. So uh, keep that in mind. It's not you know, your, your usual Saturday night game, but that's interesting there. 645 p.m. Thursday, 715 Friday. And then, yeah, 115 as well on Sunday. So that's how that'll work. And then we'll get into it for next week for the prediction challenge because there's two games on that Monday, a doubleheader there. Trust me, next week's wild for Brewers. Uh, we'll talk all about it when we get there. But that kind of wraps up here our baseball talk. So we're going to go now to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. And as we said, their season sadly ended. But Ryan, we got to talk about the offseason here for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I got to start with your thoughts on this. Bobby Portis, you know, this was a story I was talking with some with some friends about, right? Bobby Portis has a player option for next season. And he signed a very team-friendly deal. I believe it was two years, nine million. I think talk, talk about how friendly. But yeah, uh, do you think he's coming back? Look, his comments was, um, he said, "I don't really have a comment on it." You know, that's on the organization and my agent to figure out. I don't discuss numbers or contracts or none of that. I love it here. I love being a buck, but it definitely comes down to them making it work. So, I think you know he's either he might decline player option, want more money and he might go somewhere else. I think, but what do you think here for Bobby Portis? Do you think he's coming back? I think he's coming back. I think he's taking his player option to stay with the Bucks. I feel like he knows his role in Milwaukee. He loves the fans. Fans love him. And I feel like Bobby's a great fit for the Milwaukee team. And hopefully he stays. Cause I like Bobby a lot. I know you do. And Look, my concern is because, look, if you look at the, how this market's going or how it's projected to be going right now for NBA, he's worth, you know, 10 to $15 million annually. And the Bucks mm-hmm. can't pay him that. And he, you know, he'd go make starter money, which, you know, we, we say solid starter for one of the NBA teams is, you know, 10 to $15 million annually, right? And he's certainly worth that. And, I could see him walk. I could see him decline this, you know, ask. And I could see him do what PJ Tucker did, you know, go play for a winner maybe. Or he could even go, you know, I'll throw a squad out. Let's say go to like the Spurs, right? He could go to a squad maybe, you know, on the bubble watch, you know, making seventh or 10. They might pay him a good amount to come play for them. He could go somewhere like that. So I think that might be something to look out for because he's certainly worth more money, but I certainly want to return. You know, if he comes back, accepts the player option, that is the best move possible for the bucks. And when you have a bucks team, like you do right now, the, what you try to do, right. You, you try to keep the guys together as much as you can as possible without things changing. And every year, you know, every year, someone's going to change, right. Someone's going to be gone. Team's never the same. It's always this year, right. When that last game ends, Last time you're going to be in the root locker room with those guys. That's just how it is. That's how sports are. And, you know, we might be without one of our assistant coaches, right? You know, with with Ham looking to go to the Lakers, maybe Darvin Ham is one of the front runners for that position. So it's always different, right? So, and I, I know Darvin Ham, actually, I believe right now, reports are saying he is the, he is the front runner. And there's rumors it is the guy LeBron wants. So, 
I don't know what you think about that, Ryan, but certainly seems like Darwin Ham will be the Lakers head coach. And, you know, talking then about the offseason, right? There's more stuff we have to talk about because Chris Middleton, I don't know if you know his situation, A, with the injury, and B, he's eligible for a contract extension. So more questions for the Bucks here. So first with the Chris Middleton situation with the injury, right? We have to look at this, Ryan. So uh, he was asked if there was any point in which he thought he was going to be possible pl- to play in game six or seven. And his response was, I couldn't play six or seven. I wanted to, but working with our training staff and talking to doctors, they said it was just too high of a risk to go out there so soon. So that's words from Chris Milton. You know, that was after the game, you know, in the press conference at the media. So, that was an interesting development there. I guess it, it just wasn't possible. There's rumors that it could have been possible. And I personally thought it was going to happen, but I understand like you, you need Middleton for the years to come. Then that's exactly what happened here. And also now to talk about the extension situation. So this is part B here. Listen to this, this off season, he'll become extension eligible and he could extend for up to three years projected at 152.5 million. Think about that provided. And that's, he exercises his 40.4 million player or $40.4 million player option in 2023, 2024. And he, he would be able to sign this extension only during the off season. So NBA has weird rules with extensions and weird rules with, you know, options and all that good stuff. And I don't know what you think about, you know, Chris Middleton with that. I mean, you obviously pay the man, but three years, $152.5 million is a lot of money. It is a lot of money. And uh, with obviously Bucks in win now mode, I feel like you just have to pay him. He's your second best player on your team. And you have to pay him if you want to win championships with the honest. But what, I think where what they think, you know, media in general, and I think is the other reasonable route here is he could decline that player option and then he could extend for up to four years, $200.9 million. And that gives him a $4.4 million raise. So business wise, this would be his move. But again, if he would be able to, you know, take a more team friendly deal with the bucks, I, I still think he would be that guy to do it. I think him, Giannis, right. These guys, and also, you know, Brooke Lopez, here's another story. Because as we're talking about the offseason, we're going to do a little preview here. He's extension eligible, but he's for up to four years, $74.8 million. And look, this is interesting. He, he comes back midseason from back surgery, mid to late season. And, you know, he, he played well in his games. But again, you know, against a team like the Celtics, he didn't play a lot. You know, it it's tough for him to match up against squads like that. And that again, you know, if they have to sign him or if they sign him to that, I'll say luxury tax becomes an issue there as you know, the bucks are currently, they were, they were set to pay a $52 million luxury tax payment and they could see it even higher. You know, if they resign Portis do that, those extensions, do you think, I guess, to go back to Brooke Lopez, do you extend him? You know, I, I know he's been great. And it's just interesting because, you know, Bobby Portis and him, they see decent minutes in the playoffs, but they didn't see a whole lot against the Celtics. I think you don't sign Brooke Lopez, even though he's a great and improved defender. I don't think you bring him back. He's getting old. And I feel like 
try going out there and try finding a average center that can play really good defense and the Bucks will be just fine. Yeah, and this is about his extension. So I believe he'll be back for another year regardless. Yeah, he will. Yep. Yeah, his last year on his contract is next year, 2022 to 2023. So for sure, you bring him back, but it's a matter of, yep. of course, if you extend him. So you're saying not to extend him. No, don't extend him, no. I, you know, I might agree with you on that. It's just I, I'm glad we get a whole other year to watch him play out because if this was his last year, I would have said no. But mm-hmm. thankfully, he gets another year to prove himself. And that's good. So. Currently, right now, Anta Takubo, Middleton, and Holiday, all those three, right, top three guys, are projected to earn $45.6 million for Giannis, 40.4 for, for Middleton, and then 36.2 for Holiday. So that, that's a good chunk of money throughout your top three guys. So then you're going to have to get players, you know, with like the mid level exception and then with other sorts of, you know, ways to, pick up solid role players, like guys like Wesley Matthews, right? And then Grayson Allen's also another one, you know, his salary next year will be $9.3 million, a little over that. Pat Connaughton, like these, these guys are solid. Pat Connaughton also has a player option. So that's something to keep in mind. So hopefully he accepts it. Cause he could go look at the playoffs. He had Pat could go make starter money on another team as well. Him and mm-hmm. Bobby could easily go, to, you know, like I said, teams that are in the bubble, teams that might be, you know, not really in the playoff, they could go make four year, 40 million, four year, you know, they could probably get something like that. So it's always an interesting decision there. George Hill, you know, he's currently on the salary for next year. I don't know how you felt about George Hill in the playoffs, but certainly he left a sour taste in a lot of Bucks fans' mouths after his his performance. He Look, he's not the same player the Bucks had a few years ago, and mm. that is something you just showed in his performance defensively. I think overall, you know, with with the ball in his hands, and just even as a shooter, he just doesn't look the same. So, I wonder what you do with him there. But uh, people, there, I mean, I've I've seen some mock trades of DeAndre Ayton to Milwaukee. I've seen, you know, you've seen because Ayton might want out, you know, because he got benched, and there's. It's going to be, I think, as always, I think it's going to be a crazy NBA offseason, and I'm looking forward to covering it here on the podcast. Uh, Jared Vlosky and myself plan to dabble into the NBA offseason, but overall, Ryan, do you, do you have any bold predictions right now for the offseason? Throw, throw one at us. I feel like DeAndre Ayton is going to go. I feel like him getting benched, and what I've heard is that he doesn't like the coaching staff in Phoenix, and I feel like even though Phoenix is in win-now mode and Aiton's kind of a crucial part to Phoenix, I feel like he wants to leave and kind of build his career with a different team. So, see things out. You think he gets traded away or some something? Yep. All right. I like that. I like that. Bold. Uh, I don't know where he would end up, but I, I, I think that's that's a good take, you know, in terms of boldness. So, I guess anything else here before we go to some trivia here, Ryan? Look, this trivia, Ryan, Evansville themed here. As I said, Ryan is the greatest official to come out of the Rock Valley. And he also, you know, played played some sports in the Rock Valley Conference for Evansville High School. So with that, you know, I got some stats here and some trivia, of course, for Evansville. So 
Here we go, Ryan. Are you ready? Five questions. Yeah, I guess I'm ready. All right, question one. What is Ryan Borkhart's career high for basketball in high school? I got options. Okay. 11, 13, or 15. This is all from West Sports. I think it was 15. I had 13 on the West Sports, and that would have been then it was your senior year. Mm-hmm. So I had 13. On, uh, that's what Wisports said. They could have been wrong, but we're going to go with Wisports and say it was 13, Ryan. So, yeah. Here is the next question. What team won the Rock Valley Conference in basketball in 2019 to 2020? I believe it was East Troy. It was East Troy. They did dominate that year. They were quite the powerhouse in the Rock Valley. Tough team. I believe they only had one loss. It was like they were, they were, they were good. Here we go. Question three. Now we're going to baseball. Just one baseball question here. You ready? This is your junior year, Ryan. Sadly, lost out on baseball as many athletes did due to COVID his senior year. But what opponent handed Evansville their worst loss in baseball for the 2019 season? So go back, think about it. Junior year, right? I know it's been a while. Think about what was your worst game that year as a team? I think it was. At Jefferson, I want to say. It was at McFarland. It was a little tough there. It was 11 to 1, I believe, that the game oh. was. Monday, April 15th, it took place. I did. I put it all in there. Yeah, I remember that game now. That was oh, not a fun game. Not a fun game. And McFarland was a good team. So, you know, you, you lose to a great squad in McFarland. Yeah. But they went, to, they went to state that year. So, yeah, you know, no harm, no foul there. What was the, or here's question for the two football ones surrounded up. Who was the opponent that the Evansville football team faced when they scored their most points in the 2019 season? So this is your senior year for football. What, te- what, or who was the team you played when you guys scored the most amount of points? I can tell you it was 51 points. You guys scored. Who did yep. you play? Lloyd Turner. Lloyd Turner. It is. And so right now you're two for four, Ryan. Can you go three for five? Are you ready for question five? It's football related. Yep. Who holds the record for longest pick six in Evansville history? Myself. Ryan Borkhart holds it with a 97 yard pick six. It is on here. The trivia. It says it 97 yards. In fact, Ryan finishes three and five in the Evansville trivia. What did you think, Ryan? There are some good questions in there. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I tried to mix it up a little, you know, throw some in there, try to stump you, which I was able to do. So, uh, you know, there's some other ones I was looking at. I was going to even go. I wish I had baseball stats. Sadly, max preps, you know, some of these isn't the most accurate. So I don't want to throw something at you that wasn't even right. Right. So kind of threw curveball in there. No pun intended. But, you know, it, it was fun to do that trivia there. You know, look up some great Evansville storied history, I'd say, in the high school sports world. and. You guys did have a great football year, your senior or your was it your senior year? It was yep, senior yeah. year, yep. Because you guys almost made it to state, right? Or you were at level two, but you were we went we lost in level two, yeah. But regular season wise, you guys were one of the top teams, you know, in, in your division. D four. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, with that, kind of wrap it up here. Ryan, thank you for coming on. Where can the people find you? Uh they can find me on Snapchat. Instagram, oh. Facebook, 
that's about it. Yeah, Ryan Borkart then is the name there. And yeah, I mean, make sure to follow him there. Ryan.Borkart1224 is the Instagram handle. So, you know, go, go follow Ryan. As I said, he's a referee. So you might see him around, right? He'll be refing some games. One day, hopefully the big leagues, Ryan, we'll see you there. Uh, so well, maybe get some nice umpiring in there. And with that, you know, you know where to find the podcast here. Jordan drew underscore sports crew on the Instagram, Jordan drew the sports crew on Facebook, JD sports pod on Twitter. All these handles will be changing as the rebranding takes place. So only a few more weeks of saying that. And then as I said, live show, you know, keep go on our social media on those pages. I just mentioned, go follow us, you know, for all the info for these live shows, you know, we have all the info, on there all the updates too on the podcast important stuff there so that'll wrap wrap it up here on this monday morning so ryan borkart and myself drew skyberg signing off here so thank you all for listening to yet another episode of drew's sports screw the perfect podcast for you